0: The Chaos, written by Conqueror Wiggles. The professor made his way to the seat in front of the class. He was tall by galactic standards. His four armored legs, powerful but aging, carried the professor. The professor was carrying his antique club, an educational instrument, he liked to call it. He would use it to point out things on the holographic projection, and also use it to slam against things when students were beginning to drift. He raised his club and swung it over his head to signal to the students that the class was beginning, and began to speak. Today, class, we have a special guest. Her name is one I'm sure most of you know. The esteemed secretary of state of the Galactic Federal Senate, Madame Klornachstleis. Make sure to give her your full attention. The secretary of state entered gracefully from the side door. She was a critarian. She wore a traditional white Cretarian formal robes. Her four hind legs were hidden by the robes. But her front legs, which were twice as long, were exposed leading into her torso. Her fur was a deep chestnut color and well manicured. She made her way to the center of the room and performed the standard galactic greeting. With one limb forward, she folded it at the joint as much as her species was able, so her fist touched her torso. With her greeting done, she began her prepared material.
1: I'd heard stories of the chaos for as long as I could remember, she began. The stories of it could be found in all the enlightened worlds, wherever societies became advanced enough to discover and measure dark matter. Societies would notice inconsistencies, strange goings-on in the emptiness of space. Nothing conclusive, an odd measurement here and there. Dark matter seemed to disappear or move without explanation. The Paracteans even claimed to have witnessed the force preventing the birth of a star. Every species seemed to have had some sort of encounter with it. It was a universal ghost story. No one could explain the actions or existence of the chaos. Only one thing was certain. It seemed to exist in the realm of dark matter. The United Scientific Front, or USF, regarded it as more or another mystery of science, something that could not yet be explained. Much like how our ancestors would regard the auroras or the lightning, as is their nature, the scientists became totally enthralled with the tantalizing mystery. Its study became so prevalent it became its own scientific field. They called it dark physics, because chaosology would be too obvious. Many of the less logic-prone beings, however, saw the chaos in a more spiritual light. Plenty of religions began to view the chaos as some form of deity. Most were harmless. The vast majority of these religions viewed the chaos as some form of trickster. Rather than something benevolent, however, there were plenty of cults that viewed the Chaos as death and destruction incarnate, even a few that would try and contact the Chaos through various means. Most of these radical groups were ignored, until, that is, one of them got a response. The cult in question was an offshoot of Technolism. Technolists believe that scientific and technological advancement are the only path to enlightenment. This particular offshoot was called the Heightened Brotherhood of Technolism. They believed that the chaos was a being that had reached their idea of enlightenment, making it a god. They had been trying to contact this being to try and glean some of its knowledge. They had chosen a star that seemed to be of a particular interest to the chaos. It had yet to be named, but now we refer to it as V616 Menoceratis. The attempt to make contact was made up of a series of explosions of three sizes. It was in the standard tritone code that most modern computers use. The message
0: read, "No benevolent chaos, please grant your faithful followers your knowledge.
1: The message was repeated once every galactic standard soda unit. After 20 units, the group received a response. It started very simply. Immediately after the message, on the 20th soda unit, the message was repeated again by what could only have been the chaos. A simple copy of the original message. Fortunately, the Hyden Brotherhood was under close watch by galactic authorities. The moment the response was received, the group was... Uh, removed from the area, that is, when things got really complicated. Rumours of the contact was like a supernova, spread quickly, and was too powerful to suppress. Before too long, the governments across the universe were clamouring to get a handle on things. After long and difficult deliberations, a consensus was reached. Contacting the chaos was left to the Galactic Federal Senate. Communicating with the Chaos was the job given to me. At the time, I was an ambassador. I was dealing with the peace talks between the Corruptians and the Tictalians. It was almost that exact moment I started making progress in the talks when I received my new assignment. I made my way onto the government ship and was on my way. On the short trip to V616 Monacerities, a young aide briefed me on my new role. A small space station would serve as a base of operations for the team tasked with making contact. My new role was to manage this team and to make sure political protocol was being followed. A blockade made sure no one could interfere with our work. But it didn't stop an audience from forming. Ships from across the galaxy parked themselves right outside the perimeter. No count of the ships was ever made, but there must have been millions. It seemed as if some massive, luminescent nebula had formed around the star. I knew that our every action would draw scrutiny. When we set out to make contact with the chaos, we had three goals. We needed to determine, without a doubt, that the chaos was in fact sapient. Next, we needed to determine the goals of the chaos. But most urgently was our need to know if the chaos would present a threat in the future. After ten gruelling soda units of deliberations, we had crafted our first message. We thought it would be best if we continued using the same code and method as the cult who first made contact. So instead of a tritone code, our message read,
0: We speak for the Galactic Federal Senate.
1: To whom do we speak? Once we produced the message, all we could do was wait. The silence was deafening then, out of the star itself, a shockwave exploded outward. The shockwave itself was harmless, albeit startling. Once we recovered, we saw it. A massive shadow had appeared in front of the star. It was the largest ship that anyone had ever seen. It looked like it had been crafted out of a black hole. The ship seemed to absorb any light that touched it. The chaos had arrived on the galactic stage. After weeks of dedications, I still couldn't shake the nervousness caused by their presence. After their dramatic entrance, the chaos found itself completely surrounded by the blockade. It had been in place to keep back the onlookers. Now their ranks were in chaos, no pun intended. Meanwhile, the ship made its way to our space station, not bothering to ask for our permission. They docked with us, and we met them as they boarded us. First contact was, um, an ordeal. When our airlocks opened, we got our first view into their ship. A thick wall of sheer shadow was our first impression. As if that weren't bad enough, three new shadows began to emerge from the darkness. And so finally we saw the true face of the chaos. A tall, bipedal species with two arms ending in manipulators approached us. And to our horror, they seemed to be formed out of living darkness. We soon found that their regular form of communication wasn't compatible with our own. Fortunately, they did have the written language, and despite their forms, seemed able to interact with our writing utensils. Much was learned from those first interactions. We found that they were an entire species made up of dark matter. When they left their own world, they entered the vast galaxy that seemed empty. Yes. They too have a homeworld, and it too is made up entirely of dark matter. As they expanded their influence, they encountered more and more lifeless worlds, until they received the message that revealed us to them. We also learned that the rumors of the mischievous chaos weren't completely false. It seemed that they had already decoded our tritone messages. They had decided not to give us any forewarning. It seems that they wanted to, uh, make an entrance. I swear, despite not being able to make out their features or hear their voices, there was a smartness to that statement. The single strangest thing about these life forms is that they have not tried to join us. While it may not seem strange to you at first, you must remember that they searched in vain to find other life. They spent generations spreading out across the stars searching for us. And yet, when we finally met, they seemed content simply knowing of our existence. After our initial meetings, they withdrew back to their ships. They returned to the dark. They rarely communicate with us when we call out to them. And we haven't been able to replicate the technology to allow us to visit them. So even now, the chaos is somewhat of a
0: mystery. As she finished speaking, she paused a moment and asked for any questions. A flurry of raised limbs and tendrils met her. After selecting the first, a timid voice with a thick accent asked, Does the chaos call themselves the chaos? A rare smile creeps onto the face of the Secretary of State and she replies,
1: The chaos does not mind being called the chaos. In fact, they seem to love it. They themselves, however, choose to call themselves humanity.
0: End of story. Story number two Zitrilli's List, Shore Leave, written by the Zet. To the Galactic Admiralty. After the Kourgrassi War and the subsequent Kourgrassi Rebellion had been resolved and the Fourth Fleet cleared for shore leave. A number of our enlisted soldiers, in an attempt to integrate and create fraternal ties between themselves and the Terrans, engaged in a series of competitions. I am not sure whether Private Kip's name for the event is a signifier of derision or pride, but below are a series of observations I recorded during the 4th Fleet Special Olympics. Respectfully, Ziltrilli, shipmaster of the 4th Fleet. Number 1. Terrans require a strict set of rules regarding intra competitor interference in non competitive competitions. Example During a sprinting competition, coating opponents' starting blocks with adhesive is not allowed. Number two, even if watching competitors skip hopping with a block of steel around their ankles is freaking hilarious. Number three, grenades are not to be used in shooting competitions. Rowing up the target in its entirety does not award points for all of the scoring rings. Number 4. Calvin Ball is not allowed. Number 5. Addendum. Even if the first rule of Calvin Ball is, Calvin Ball is allowed. Number 6. Addendum 2. If Private Kip insists that the rule, the rule of Calvin Ball is, the Calvin Ball is allowed, is allowed, request Sarge's presence immediately. Number 7. Using a shotgun in a shotput competition is a disqualifying action, even if most of the letters are the same. Number 8. Jousting. While an interesting medieval-era competitive pastime, it has no place in the fourth fleet, especially when high-speed land vehicles are substituted for uh, horses. See Incident Report, The Black Knight. Duct's Note. Private Demi is expected to make a full recovery in four to five months' time. Number nine. The same goes for water polo. Number ten. Also, every cycling, equestrian, and racing event. Number eleven. The Hotspice event has been outlawed for the foreseeable future. While the fourth fleet can attest to Sarge's weapons grade hot sauce being literally weapons grade. Utilizing it as a military asset is not viable per Sarge's recommendation. Number 12. Zitrilli's Note Sarge's exact recommendation was, and I quote, Sir, I would take it as a personal favor if you wouldn't. Great Granny Sarge said that I'd be very, very sorry if the secret recipe became an asset. Any sentient being that can frighten Sarge is not one to be trifled with. Number 13. Terrans can ingest five times the lethal dose of alcohol to the standard rigorian, and thus drinking competitions are no longer viable for interspecies competition. Number 14. Addendum Private Kip in particular is not allowed to participate in any social, military, interrogatory, or recreational drinking. See the debrief file, the reverse pietzniac. End of story And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one. And until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.